0: Good evening, that didn't go down very far, tonight we will be uh, studying the passage of Psalm 1, which is on page 448 of the Pew Bible, so if you want to turn there, we're going to go ahead and read the passage to get started off with tonight, Psalm 1. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, I just want to Thank you for the opportunity to bring your word before your people tonight. Father, I pray that you will speak through me tonight, that the words that are spoken will be your words, Father. Use me, I am just a jar of clay at your disposal. Um, Speak through this passage, um, help us to apply it to our lives. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 1 is the first psalm, of course, in the book of Psalms, Um, and as so, it sets the tone kind of for the entire book. Um, The themes in here run throughout the entire book of Psalms, Um, themes of righteousness and wickedness um, being brought up um, and how God responds to those, Um, and kind of the way it just relates to life in general. These psalms touch the deepest parts of our souls. Um, they, they get us in the depths when we're in the valleys, and they, and they get us when we're at the high points, uh, when we're just praising God with all we have. And Psalm 1 uh, kind of touches on, on all of that. In uh, the first word, blessed, of course, um, if you look at the Hebrew, it's happy, but uh, blessed, um, I think, comes across better. When I looked at the, just the way it was translated in other passages, Blessed seemed to be the way, and just shows the way that God um, gives us things um, that we, we need uh, in him. And then we kind of go down this, this path um, of, of who the righteous are, um, who the wicked are, um, and kind of what God um, says about that. So, starting off with the righteous. Um, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of, of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. These are things that the righteous man doesn't do. In First 1 Corinthians 15.33, we read, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And that kind of sets the tone for this threefold path, I guess you could say, of of ways we could fall into sin, uh, and what the, the righteous man doesn't do. First of all, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, walking, we can, like, walk by something, and, and we don't really, I mean, we can see something and not really take it in, like walking by a store. Window shopping is a good example of this. We can walk through a mall, we can go, go by the Apple store and look in and say, hey, that's really cool. But you don't have to. You don't. You're not stopping in. You're not standing there, like looking at it. It's just it's passing. Um, and also, walking can mean following. Um, and it says the counsel of the wicked, the advice um, that people give. I think a lot of times, um, like we take advice from, from people we we admire and people we we trust. Um, but putting that advice, uh, testing that advice against the word of God. Um, to see whether it's good advice or or bad advice poor advice um, and not walking in the counsel of the wicked and a lot of times uh, people who give us advice don't they mean the best by it um, but still testing that um, just like the Bereans did uh, in the New Testament Paul went to a church um, in Greece and they uh, he was telling them stuff in, in the Old Testament and how that pointed to Christ and they Took his word, but they went back to the scriptures and tested what everything Paul said. We revere Paul and we we preach about Paul and we study Paul and we revere him for who, you know, for what he taught about Christ. Um, But these people went back to the scriptures and said, is this really what God says? And we need to do the same thing with the counsel that, that we're given. Then the next part is, nor stands in the way of sinners. Now, standing and be kind of like walking into the Apple Store, stepping in front of that, that iPad or whatever. I don't think Apple's bad, by the way. I um, just want to get that out there. It's the first example that popped in my head. Um, but standing there and looking at something uh, and really seeing what's going on, standing in the way of sinners, the, the path that they take, being associated with them, um, doing the things they do, or maybe just being with them, being associated with them. And that's what we're called not to do um, as, as believers. Uh, Blessed is the man who doesn't do these things. And then the next one, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Sitting kind of shows um, not only association, but mingling. Um, when you sit down with someone, you, you commune with them, you, you talk with them, you, you dialogue with them. And, and these things mean you, you have a relationship with them. And so sitting with scoffers or with mockers, people who make fun of Christians, um, not only associating with them, but participating in the things they're doing, um, are things we're not supposed to do. Um, an example of this can be found in the uh, life of Lot, who was uh, Abraham's nephew, um, Abraham and Lot grew together, and, and, they, and because of Abraham was blessed, Lot was blessed also. And their herdsmen started getting in fights because the flocks were getting huge. So Abraham said to Lot, Hey, we need to separate so that our herdsmen don't get in arguments and, and you can choose whatever land you want. So they went out on this, this like cliff, and they looked out over this entire area. And Lot saw this great-looking valley. It's lush and green, and he's like, I want that. I want that area over there. And, and so Abraham said, okay, you can have that. And then God went on and gave Abraham the rest of everything, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but in Genesis chapter 13, uh, verses 12 and 13, um, we see this. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And I'm pretty sure this was well known. If you were in the area, you knew who the people of Sodom, Sodom were, the people of Gomorrah. You knew who they were. They had a reputation. And Lot chose it because the land looked good, but he said he, he pitched his tents among the cities of the valley. And so he lived kind of among them, not like in a certain city, uh, but among them. But if we turn over just um, a couple of pages, in Genesis 19, the first two two verses we see, or first verse we see how far Lot went, Um, not just standing in the path, um, but ended up sitting with them. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. He went from just being among them, you know, having his, his tent pitched basically among the cities, to being in the city basically, to, to do business with them. And this is kind of the, the way we see they, they had accepted him into their culture. Um, and it wasn't probably because he was a righteous man, but because he accepted them as well. And so, Lot is kind of an example of the person who walked and stood and sat with the wicked, with the sinners, and with the mockers. Then we move to the things that the righteous do. The righteous man delights in the law Of the Lord. Now, the law of the Lord is not just the first five books of the Bible, um, which are considered the law, uh, but it's the whole entire Word of God. Um, Everything from Genesis 1 1 to the end of Revelation um, is the law of the Lord. And following the things that are in there and delighting in them, getting excited about them. Um, It's opening up this Word and saying, What is something new and exciting I can get out of this today. And, and delighting in it and, and drawing your entire life from it. The man who, who delights in the law of the Lord and lives his life by it, just the, the freedom that he has in that, and just the joy. Um, I've known a few men that have lived by the book, um, and those men are the most joyful, no matter the circumstances that are going around them. And that is so amazing to see. And that comes in the next part as well. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Um, Every possible moment, just thinking about the Word of God and how it applies to life. There are so many situations in our life that that come up and we think if there's something we we can do or say to speak into the life of someone... Or something we can, you know, in our own mind come up with to to solve someone's problems. Whereas the Word of God is the answer for everything. Uh, Going back there and and saying, all right, how does Scripture apply to the situation I'm faced with? How can I speak truth from God's Word into the life of this person who's suffering um, in this area? And then we get the comparison. Um... Of the righteous man. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that brings forth its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In Jeremiah 17, verses 7-8, we see something very similar, it's a very parallel passage. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. I was doing a little bit of research on tree planting just to kind of see what was important and stuff. I've never planted a tree myself and so kind of seeing what was important there. And if you get a a small tree... Um, one-inch diameter. Um, the root system is like, I think like a, a foot and a half, usually, when come, you get it from the nursery, like a foot and a half. So you can plant it, and for a year, you got to make sure you water that really well. And after a year, it, it stabilizes, and it can, it can hold its own. Um, being a one-inch tree, it's not going to have a whole lot of fruit, but it still will, will be able to mature and grow and grow. It's successfully transplanted. If you get a four-inch tree and you plant that, the root system is two and a half feet big if you get it from the nursery, and you have to water it. Make sure you're watering it regularly for five years before it's able to have a stable enough root system to hold its own through a hot summer or whatever. Um, Just the, the time investment for something that has gone in that, yeah, but just the care it takes to just make sure that the tree is getting watered uh, and getting stuff. And so when it says that he is like a tree planted by streams of water, the righteous man, we've all been accepted um, into God's family um, as believers. And God has planted us uh, by these streams of water. Uh, it's it's a very careful process. He knows what he's doing. He knows how much water we need. He knows exactly how deep to plant us. He knows how long it's going to take for us to get our roots settled. But the nicest thing for someone to do is to make sure you're planted by the water. Because if you're planted by the water, then you're getting that constant nourishment. It's that constant feeding of the water over the roots, like we saw in in Jeremiah We don't have to fear when heat comes or when drought comes because our roots are established. They're down deep. They're pulling up the nutrients and the moisture of God's word, of the stuff God wants to have in our lives. Next we see yields its fruit in its season. Fruit is coming at the right time. Apple trees give apples at only a certain time of the year. You know, orange trees at a certain time, you have to have certain seasons when you can get these fruits. And it's the same thing in our lives. When we bear fruit, it's in certain seasons. And the righteous man's fruit comes at just the right time. God will not put you into anything you're not ready for. Sometimes you don't see that fruit until you've come out of those situations. But at the right time, you'll go through those seasons. And you'll bear fruit through that. And then uh, a tree whose leaf does not wither. I also looked up uh, some tree diseases to kind of see what kind of diseases had to worry about. And in and of themselves, trees don't get diseases. There's nothing in a tree really that gets disease. Maybe a genetic defect from time to time. But usually it's a, a fungus that gets in the tree and a lot of times it's because there's a wound in the tree and this fungus will get in into the wound and then infect the tree Um, you have different blights and different things that will either wither leaves or kill the tree Um, but it happens on the inside Um, these wounds will go deep enough to get into um, just the different systems of the tree the nutrients of the tree they'll cut off some of that flow and it'll kill the tree. The tree won't be able to bear fruit uh, when these things are in it. And that's just like us. When we have wounds, very often uh, sin will infect those wounds we have. Uh, Wounds we get from other Christians. uh, Wounds we get from the world. And when that sin gets in our lives, um, whether it's um, harboring something against someone, maybe bitterness, um, that wound infects, and then it affects our fruit so that we're not able to bear fruit in season, um, which is what we are called to do. And then it says, in all that he does, he prospers. Everything he does, he finds success in. Um, I'm reminded of um, the verse in Romans 8 that says something Romans eight uh, twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. <clears throat> and just knowing that, that God cares for us um, and that he is seeing the good um, out of any situation, whether it's a drought or when the heat comes, or we're experiencing some difficulty in our life, um, God is ensuring if we're in his word, and if we're dwelling by that stream and, and drinking the nutrients out of that stream, God will ensure that, that, we, that the good things come out of life. And that doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you want. Um, but God is a father who gives, gives his children things they need. He's not a father who gives his son a stone when he asks for a loaf of bread, but he gives him good things. And then we have the wicked. It says simply, the wicked are not so. So the wicked would be everything against what we already read. They would uh, walk in the counsel of the wicked. They would stand in the way of sinners. They would definitely sit in the seat of mockers, joining in with the, the berating of Christians, the, the tearing down of, of Christians and of Christ's name. They don't delight in the law of the Lord. They don't meditate it. They don't think about the law of the Lord every time. Their, their thoughts are filled with, with sin and, and just the things of the world. They aren't planted by streams of water. They don't have nutrients they're pulling up from the word. And so their lives are, are bleak. Um, we all seek nutrients. It's, it's part of who we are as humans. We all seek something to, to give us meaning, to, to give us fulfillment. And when you seek for those in empty wells, you're not going to get anything. You're going to wither. And you're going to die. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff, that the wind drives away. Chaff is uh, on on wheat. It's like an outer shell over the the wheat, and it's lighter. Um, It has no life in and of itself. Um, And to get to the wheat, you have to get rid of the chaff. Um, It's really hard to make a loaf of wheat bread if you have chaff. Still in there. And so what they would do back in this time is they would take the wheat kernels and they would toss them up in the air over and over again. And what happened is the shell would separate from the wheat. And the chaff was lighter than the wheat seeds. And so it would blow away in the wind. And what I took this as kind of saying is the wicked are ungrounded. They have no weight in of themselves. There's nothing that founds them. Um, it says in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, tossed about by every wave and wind of the sea. Um, the wicked is like that. Um, you don't have anything to stand on, have nothing to grasp. And so because of that, you just end up bl- being blown about. The latest fad that comes along, you just join in. And then when that goes away, the wind blows you some other direction. Yeah. That's why we see a lot of people joining in on like new age movements and things like that. Think the newest thing, saying, okay, this, maybe this is something I'll find fulfillment in. Maybe I can find fulfillment in, in stuff or, or in, in this new religious experience, but without being founded, being planted. Next to the streams of water, just blown about, and there's nothing, nothing to hold on to. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Now I had someone ask me earlier this week what the judgment meant. Um, if you're just reading over that, you might think, uh, the last judgment. And while, that's true, uh, and I don't see anything against that. Um, I was looking at this word um, in several other passages, um, including uh, a passage in Deuteronomy. And let me get there real quick. This passage is talking about um, trying people, like as far as trials. Um, I charged your judges at that time. Hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. And that's one of the times when that word is used, in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you you shall bring to me, and I will hear it. And I command you at that time all things that you should do. And so, the judgment that it's probably referring to is the wicked cannot stand up in court but there's no reason why we can't take it to mean um, the judgment the in judgment um, because they won't be able to stand there either um, because it is the most and like i said it's because they don't have a foundation there's nothing they can stand on um, as truth to hold them down Nor sinners uh, in the congregation of the righteous, I kind of took this to mean uh, to fellowship. Um, when you think of a congregation or an assembly, um, sinners to have no association with a congregation or uh, assembly of believers of the righteous. Um, in second Corinthians. Uh, six verses fourteen through eighteen. And this is on page nine sixty seven. If you want to turn there. Of the pew Bibles. If you have another Bible, I don't know what page at all. Second Corinthians chapter six. Verses fourteen. Through sixteen. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And so we see there that righteousness and wickedness cannot congregate. They cannot be assembled together. And so sinners cannot be in the congregation of the righteous. And then we come to the last verse. It's a very comforting verse. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. A very familiar passage to all of us is Jeremiah 29. Um, Verse 11 is the one that gets read uh, most often. I'm going to start in verse 10. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. Um, and then we uh, read in Psalm or Proverbs three, five and six. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. God is there, and he's, he knows the path he has for us. And he's directing us in it. Um, it says also in Proverbs that a man may, may plan his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And we follow in the path that God has for us. He knows our way, and that's something we can rest in. Like it says in Jeremiah, he has our best in mind. Plans for a future and a hope. But the way of the wicked will perish. Proverbs 16, it says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. God knows that too. He knows the end of that way. Matthew chapter 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few God knows the paths he has for us he knows the paths of wickedness he's laid laid those out for us in his word in order to fully align our hearts with what this passage in Psalms is saying. We have to examine our hearts and see if we have truly been planted by the living water. By the stream that gives us the nutrients we need. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and lived among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the one and only, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus Christ. Delighting in the law of the Lord, delighting in his word, is delighting in Jesus. He is the living water that we draw our nutrients from. We're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper. And Paul warns us in uh, 1 Corinthians um, to examine ourselves, um, to see whether or not we are in the faith, to see whether we're planted by those streams of water. Do we have the nutrients we need? Uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter 11 it says for I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Here at Believers Church, we believe that to partake in the Lord's Supper, you just need to be a believer. You need to believe that Jesus died for you and took your place on that cross and that you've accepted that. It doesn't matter. If you're a visitor from out of town, it doesn't matter if you go to a different church. You're more than welcome to join us at Christ's table. I'm going to pray, and then um, after that, i just um, have some time where you guys can uh, pray amongst yourselves and um, just kind of see where your hearts are at. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can delight in it. I thank you that it is the stream by which we draw our nutrients, from which we get our health. Father, I pray that you would take your word and that you would Apply it to our lives the way we need it, Father. Father, I just thank you so much for sending Jesus to die for us. It's in his precious and holy name I pray.